Hello, friends. Welcome to Unleash Your Leadership. My name is Priyanka Shinde, and I am a leadership coach with 20 years of experience in engineering, product, and program management within the tech industry. My passion lies in understanding people and how they intersect with technology. I believe every individual has a leader in the making. Often, this leader is buried under the weight of expectations, fears, and self doubt. As a coach, I help you break free from these limitations and unleash your true leadership potential. I guide you in discovering your strengths, amplifying your voice, and achieving breakthroughs to bring forth your leadership for the world to experience. I love to see emerging and driven leaders create a fulfilling work life that is in harmony with their values. Whether you're an ambitious leader or someone who aspires to become one, this podcast is for you. Remember, leadership is not a position, it is a state of mind. Join me as we explore the nuances of leadership and unleash the leader within you. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unleash Your Leadership. I'm really excited about sharing this episode with you. I love doing these episodes because I get a chance to connect to other leaders and bring you their stories And on this episode, I'm going to be doing just that, chatting with a very special guest. So please welcome Prasha Datra. She's a confidence coach, TEDx speaker, and a CEO of Believe in Your Brilliance. Prasha is on a mission to help STEM women find and confidently answer what's next in their careers and accomplish it in the next 90 days. Welcome to the show, Prasha. Hi, Priyanka. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for taking the time. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do for the world. Yeah, for sure. I moved to the US about 11 years ago. I grew up in India. I did my bachelor's in chemical engineering and master's in mechanical engineering. I worked in the industry for about seven years in manufacturing through the on the corporate ladder, just did a lot of different roles. Towards the end, my last role was group deputy director for DNI uh, for the entire company, which was a multinational with 108 plants around the world. And I just stick with the same employer. But in 2017, I started my podcast called Her STEM Story, a very, very cool podcast about collecting stories of women's STEM, which led me to the TEDx stage. And then in 2020, that's what led me to start my own business, which eventually morphed into a confidence coaching program called Believe in Your Brilliance Academy, which is a lot about confidence, clarity, and consistency. Those are three things that I'd like to cover. doesn't matter what goals you're facing or what goals you're working towards. It's all about believing in your brilliance. If you believe in yourself, anything is possible. I love that name, Believe in Your Brilliance. Amazing. It feels so simple, but it's such a powerful statement. Really great name. I'm sure when you were younger, you didn't think about being here today. So what did you want to become when you were younger? It's funny because I always wanted to become, I always wanted to work in a factory. It's such a weird thing because my dad and I always watched, he made me watch like how it's made. And that was a show that was very new in India and Discovery was just, I think, I don't even know if there was an actual channel or they had parts of it being telecasted on the channel, but he was really passionate about us using television as a means to learn versus every other parent was like, don't watch TV, don't watch TV. And they were cutting their cable networks and all that stuff happening. But he was like, no, this is how you connect to the world. And I remember watching how it's made ever since I was little. I was in eighth or ninth grade. And since then, I was just obsessed with the show. And I just wanted to work in a factory. It was a very, very 
weird dream of mine. And sometimes what happens, Priyanka, is we forget those dreams. I think Steve Jobs said that you can only connect the dots looking backwards. And so for a very long time, I actually forgot. And through her STEM story and to the work that I do, I got an opportunity to connect those dots and say, you know what, that I remember that that's a very big memory from my childhood where I remember going on a train ride to Jabalpur where I'm from my, my parents were from my dad was from and I asked my dad like how does a train work I couldn't sleep I couldn't eat I couldn't believe this thing was working and taking us to my grandmother's house and I just was so excited and I remember he went to the to his work and printed out on a dot matrix printer like actually printed out an entire how a diesel engine works and I actually read it I don't think I understood anything, but I was up all night and it was just such a really nice full circle for life that I always wanted to do this. And I, I'm so happy that I got to stay in the factory, work with operators, meet a lot of people from a lot of places, saw things on fire, like actually on mm-hmm. fire cool <laughs> as well. I remember wearing churas like when I got married and like going to the, going to the factory and working. So I had a really, really wonderful engineering career and I really always wanted to do that. I love how your father was really encouraging you, which is great to see, especially as a girl child growing up in India, our parents and the society plays a big part. And I love that he was encouraging your curiosity. And in some ways, I'm sure that led you to the career that you had in terms of your corporate world. Yeah, for sure. A lot of things were defined by that, I think, because my mom was the first lady officer in her department. So we grew up in a very confident and very progressive household. She was the only mom who was working. So it was just a different reality for us. And it was always encouraged, always everybody, I think three generations in our family have been working women, like whether it's teachers, whether it's just going out to work in different fields. And so it was a really cool household to grow up in. And then even, even podcasting, it's funny. And when I was in third grade, me and my friend had a, had a radio show. Like what we did was we learned how to record tapes and what we would do is whenever I would go for sleepover, we would act like we're RJs and then we'd have her sister call in and <laughs> we'd just run this radio show. So when I actually found out podcasting, that child in me was just so excited to actually do it. I've had a blessed, blessed life so far, knock on wood, that I've, I've been able to do a lot of things I wanted to do as a child. That's wonderful. I love the RJ story and all the pretend play and now you can do it. Yeah, right? I tell her all the time, can you find that tape? And she's like... We've moved homes, moved cities. I just wish one day maybe we'll find it. (laughs) That's the thing about not having phones or digital media is that you can't really find those things. I I totally resonate. You mentioned that you started podcasting in 2017 and you were working in the factory. What motivated you to start that podcasting? Yeah, so my podcast was called Her Some Story and, and I'm bringing it back, but The reason I started it was I was in a team full of women engineers. And suddenly, like one day I realized, wait a minute, we're all women and we're all in this team and we're all from around the world. So we're someone, someone from China, someone who was African-American, myself, another lady from Lebanon, somebody from Ohio. So it was like a really cool United Nations thing. And I thought for me, I don't know why. I just thought there's something special about it. I don't know what it is. I've never looked into any of this stuff before. I didn't know women in STEM. I didn't know social media. And so I just wrote to my CEO and I just said it. I said, look, there's a team and they're all women. I think you should do something about it. I don't know what you told me. And he's like, okay, why don't you write an article on it? I'm like, okay. And he's like, we'll post it on the internal company blog and take a photo. And I said, sure. So I did that. 
and that just stuck with me. So I started reading on it. I started le- reading Lean In and I started researching and I realized that it is a very big deal because there are only 14% women engineers in mechanical field and they were all mechanical actually. I think one was chemical, but everybody else was mechanical or electrical engineers. So it just, for some reason at that moment, I had this aha, like, wait a minute, they're talking no matter where I look up women in STEM, they're only talking about the gap. They're only talking about the gap, the gap, the gap, right? Like 21%, 26%, 24%. Everybody just cares about the fact that we have 20% less women. But here I am with the contrasting reality that all my life, even when I was going to my wedding venue, my entire bridal party was women engineers, right? I grew up with those people. They're my friends. And I was telling my cousin about it. And I just felt like, wait a minute, this some like, what is missing? Why are they not talking about it? And this is 2017, right? Before the women in STEM thing became as big as it is now. And I just couldn't find anything. I could find people talking about researchers. I could find people talking about engineering topics. I could find things on technology, but I just couldn't find a place where I could hear these stories of the stories, just like my friends and the stories of the girls that I was working with. And And I just thought these are so wonderful stories. So I thought, let's start a podcast because I made a list. I said, okay, I know 33 women who are engineers, right? All my friends, I wrote everybody's name. And I said, there it is. I have a podcast, right? So I send everybody a message saying, look, I want to do this. I would love to host you. And nobody responded. Nobody. Till this day, there's some people who don't want to talk to me. Like they never, that's the last message I sent them. And then I got nervous. I'm like, hold on, what is happening here? And I think that's how it started. And I found a lot of my guests through LinkedIn, Instagram, things like that, and Twitter. I had a big following on Twitter. But I just thought that if we want to fill the gap, it has to start with talking about the women who've stayed and why they have stayed. Because otherwise, we're just approaching this problem in the wrong way, where we're just focusing on the negatives and why it's not happening versus people who are already here and they have a lot to share. Thank you for sharing that. It's such a great way to look at it. You're flipping the problem on itself and saying, and this is what I love even about the strengths-based approach. Here we are. Here's what I can do. Let's talk about that. Let's not talk about all the other things. So really putting it in a positive light. I, I love that. And that's something not a lot of people I have seen do as well. So kudos, kudos to you. Thank you. And I think the other issue also is that we're trying to fill this pipeline, but it's broken, right? So when we don't focus on the 26% women that are there or 40% that join or whatever that number at the entry level is, when we don't focus on their stories, when we don't make them feel special, when we don't give them that platform, then we lose them is all, right? And so it's a complicated problem. So if you're obsessed with just getting women in STEM, it's definitely part of the problem. But then somebody also has to talk about why are they leaving? And then somebody also has to talk about why are they not in leadership? So I think it's a very complicated problem, which sometimes in mainstream seems like all we need to do is get more girls in STEM. I mean, if you include public, like the health sector or like the medicine industry or even the zoologists and botanists, right, in the mix of STEM, which that traditionally don't count in STEM fields. But if you include them, there are over 60% women who actually start graduate programs in STEM fields. If you start including nursing, if you start including all those fields, right? But then only 26% are left at the end. So, I mean, again, in the STEM profession, the technology profession stuff. So it's really complicated because to get more girls in STEM would is a great idea if your STEM pipeline is actually robust and if you can actually grow these people in. 
but if you're ignoring the people who are already there if you are not doing anything for these people if you are not fixing your culture and how you treat talent then there's no point getting more girls in stem because they're just going to have the same experiences as everybody else you bring up in a very important point which as somebody who has been in all the diversity and inclusion initiatives you're saying diversity is one aspect of it we're building the pipeline but diversity is more than that right it's inclusion it's sense of belonging and it's true i mean over the last few years maybe four or five years we're talking now more about the sense of belonging and inclusion so you really thought about it much before other folks which i love is you got to motivate the people who are here and those are also the people who will be the role models for your incoming pipeline absolutely so you also mentioned that in 2020 is when you moved into building out believe in your brilliance and working as a confidence coach so tell me about that shift yeah so i think in it was it, there's a thing in i don't want to quote it wrong so i'll paraphrase but i think there's somewhere in bible it says the seventh year coming so i always feel like the seventh year coming is when things actually start to pay off or things actually start to like end and it's just for some reason as soon as i hit that seven year mark in corporate part of me was just like okay i don't i think it's time i've been doing this two things i was waking up at four saturday i was working before i went to before i went to work i was taking into i was taking my client calls every single day i was working all day sundays i would come home eat and then 6:30 onwards i'd work on my podcast and work till 9:30 so i was doing a lot of things and i was just inching towards burnout eventually even though i loved doing all of it and i said this way nothing will grow right and i had a really great opportunity with the the group deputy director position i was like i have to make a choice if i'm going to go down this path or this path like because the way it was growing at least on the work end it would have moved very fast and my responsibilities would be much 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 more and so i said i had to pick one and i think the reason i was in corporate had nothing had very little to do with fixing the gender gap it was so much for my love for manufacturing and i thought if people are starting to see me in this light maybe it's time to do that fully and uh, just had a had a voice had an inkling and just decided to leave probably would never do that now that i'm a mom but i was fearless that time so i'm like okay let's be responsible let's do this <laughs> what do we have to lose and so that's when i moved into just doing this full time that was july 2021 but i started this because i had spent so much energy and time and effort into building my brand and anytime you do so much in one area of your life you wanted to start to repay you in some way whether it's money whether it's more opportunity whether it's growth of sorts are all wired for growth and i think monetization was the next step and so that's kind of why i started the coaching program and then iterated through 2020 tried different formats one on ones group coaching different tried to solve many different problems for many different people and of course we were still doing it right that's what entrepreneurship is you keep trying and trying and testing and as you grow as your audience grows things start to shift so that's the journey of believe in your brilliance llc and of course it's now also a believe in your brilliance academy which is which is a 12 week program and it's basically for women who are lost and don't know what to do next and have a lot of ambition but no way to work on that ambition they don't know the process they don't know the method they don't have the confidence and it's a very frustrating place for someone to be and i realized that not everyone's as confident as i am because i was raised by a very confident mom 
And when I realized that there were just these little things that nobody just told them ever about, and I just felt called to share that with as many women as I can. So that was the reason why I started it and feels like dedicated my life to it. So we'll see how it grows and what come what all comes out of it. But that was the path and the leaving and the quitting corporate was at the highest point of my career. Like it was, it had nothing to do with, I hate to hear, or I don't relate. Let me not say hate because it's someone's reality, but I don't relate with stories of I hated my job and I couldn't do it anymore. I have empathy, but I don't relate to it because I loved my job. I jumped, like there was always a hop in my step and I loved saying hi to all the hundred operators. And it was just like, yes, it was just birds chirping and violence playing. Right? I loved it. And I was like, I would rather leave now than be miserable and then leave. Mm-hmm. I even got a big farewell. It was, it almost looked like I was retiring. So everybody realized that she ended one chapter and she's going to start another one. So let's see. Let's see if I make everyone, everyone proud. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you have already. I'm sure a lot of people have really benefited from not just the confidence that you portray and probably bring to them, but also I think there is a lot of care that I sense in your end. And you truly care about this particular topic and this initiative and helping. And that probably I'm sure connects with a lot of people. And so I'm sure you have made a huge difference in their lives. And I'm sure it was great working in manufacturing and all of that, but it's okay to make make a shift and it's just a new chapter. And that's what I love also about this particular era of the workplace is that now it's becoming more normal to try out and try different paths and different ways of doing things. And you don't have to be an engineer your entire life or something like that, right? Yes, um, I love that. You have held roles in your company. And then, of course, you started your own company. What does leadership mean to you? This part of the podcast is brought to you by TPM Academy at thepriyankashinde.com. TPM Academy is excited to bring you a brand new course. Are you a TPM or a program manager in tech? Do you feel like your career is stuck? It's time to change that narrative. Advancing your career, the path to Staff Plus, is your transformational journey. Let's break you free from limitations, craft winning strategies, and embrace influence to accelerate your career trajectory. Let's unlock your future. Enroll today and let your success story begin. So I think leadership is is the hardest job in the world, right? Like it's, it is to realize, it is to put other people above you. That's what I think, truly. Because a leader is somebody who really does not care about themselves or worries about selfish motives, even though it seems like they do because they have all this external persona and titles and all the things around them. But a, a true leader, which I've met some incredible leaders in my life, and I and I emulate them and I want to be like them and I aspire to be like them. But most of them have one thing in common is that they care about other people. They care about their companies they care about their employees they care about you they see you they don't ignore you they don't they really see you I think to me leadership is basically a higher level of humanity where you really care so much that you don't care you care so much about somebody that you don't care what they think of you you care so much about somebody that they don't that you don't care what it would take to serve them right I think the greatest entrepreneurs are like that I think the greatest CEOs are like that. I think 
the greatest accomplished sportsmen, athletes, and the people who are representing countries, they're actually putting their body through all of this rigorous activity just to make the country proud because they care about those millions and billions of people who are looking up to them. So it's really a very human trait. And it's a skill too. But if you understand the real real definition of it, in my in my opinion and my experience, I just think it's humanity at another level. It's just it's just caring so much about the world and the people who are in it depends on whichever setting you're in. And those are the people who can influence. Those are the people who can guide. Those are the people who are trusted the most. Those are the people who can say, come follow me. I got you. Not because I know everything, just because I care about you. So I did the homework. I looked the path. Let's do this because I believe in you and we can all do it together. So I think they're truly, really special. It's a very special thing to be a really good leader. So to me, that's what leadership is on a very human level. I love how you're bringing the humanity aspect to it because somehow the perception of, especially when people hear the word leadership or leader becomes this really some persona and a perception and that person is too different, too extraordinary or something like that. That's not true. So I'm glad you're bringing that into focus and that everybody has that ability within them. Absolutely. And I think everyone's a leader. I think you're as an individual contributor, you're a leader. As a mom, you're a leader. As a wife, you're a leader. As a partner, you're a leader. As a friend, you're a leader. You can lead anybody. You can lead anybody. The point is, it's all about having that deep level of care and empathy for somebody and then having the courage to tell them that I think this is what would work. Right? Let's try this. And then, and then the test, real test is, will they listen? How many wives out there cannot make their husbands listen to them, right? How many kids out there don't listen to their parents, right? That's just because one party doesn't want to understand the other party. And that's where things start to fall apart. So we should conduct ourselves with leadership as our value, that we can actually lead people in the right direction. And it's, again, it comes down to influence. It comes down to connection. It comes down to how we build relationships with people. So it's really very, very important. And I think everybody should focus on it. Everybody should develop it as a, as a quality, even if you don't have the biggest ambitions or even if you're not on the path to be a CEO. I think monks are leaders, right? Think about it. They lead so many people to believe what they're saying. Everybody has the ability to do it and everybody should think about it because it's a very interesting it's very fun to watch when you turn a disagreement into an agreement. It's very fun to watch when you finally make that connection with somebody which did not like you, who did not like you. Or when you're able to get your message across because, again, that message served a bigger purpose and a bigger scope. It's very fun to stand up in a meeting and be able to say, that's illegal and we shouldn't do it right that's leadership it's everyday things it's everyday things of maybe telling somebody don't litter the streets it's simple things like that but but how you say will they listen or will they protest will they go with you or will they hate you and that's what makes me very interested in leadership because i think it's just such a human thing to watch people's behavior change and to to convince them of this is right for you and this is important for you and that's, I think we should all, we should all invest our time into learning that. It's a really good skill. I definitely. We are on the same page on that sense. And that's why this whole podcast is yeah. here. 
is because there's so many nuances of leadership. You said it's at a human level, it's not just skills, it's qualities. And then it's, in some ways it's influence and how you mentioned the part about how, and I think that is something that is really critical as well for people to understand is yes, maybe you are confident, you're courageous, you can blurt things out, but how it lands is also part of your leadership qualities. So I love that you are bringing that in and it's in everyday things as well. It's a value. I truly believe it's a value. Like I say, the state of mind, and it's similar. It's a value. It's not a position. It's not something where you have to earn it by doing something, but it comes from within. And so with that, I wanted to ask you, when did you first become aware of your own leadership qualities? I mean, sometimes you don't think about these things, I know. But at some point, you, you hit that moment. Yeah, so I was in third grade. And my teacher said, no, second grade. And my teacher said, you cannot run for class president because you're a girl, you're a girl, like class monitor. And you cannot, you cannot run for it because you're a girl. We only give this to guys because it's tough. You have to control the class when teacher is not there. You have to be strict and second grade, by the way. So little kids, right? And when she said that, it just, it really bothered me. And so what I did was, I said, okay, just give me a chance. Let's let's say nobody ha- takes, nobody votes for me. Nobody raises their hand for my name. Who cares? If you give me a chance, give me one week. And if I don't do it well, you give it to the guy. No problem. Or you make me co- co-captain, right? It's fine. Or uh, whatever the title was, class monitor. And I I, I really, really talk to her I I that's how I remember it I don't know maybe I made it up or <laughs> I don't I don't trust my memories all the time but I do have very vivid vivid memories of my childhood for some reason but I remember having that conversation with that teacher and having it very confidently I and we ran and I won and she wrote in my diary and she told my mom that she asked me for this position and she was able to get it so I think that was my first lesson in leadership is like I can convince somebody to get what I want and what I think would be best for the class. Because if I can do it, then other girls can do it. And again, growing up in our house, this was always the conversation that my mom was the only lady officer, first lady officer. So there was a lot of conversations around you, you're equal. And so I think just raising that voice and trying to get that position was really fun. I don't know how long it was for, but it was a lot of fun to convince that teacher. And she did. And that was really nice that she listened to me. Oh, that's the, such a sweet story. I'm sure if your teacher was to look back on it, I'm sure there was a lesson to be learned even for the teacher here, right? Absolutely. Hey, everyone. That's part one of our conversation with Prasha Dutra. Stay tuned for part two. There's a lot more we are going to talk about, and Prasha is going to share more about her leadership journey. So see you next time on part two of this conversation. Thank you for tuning in. I can't wait to reconnect with you next week on another episode of Unleash Your Leadership. My name is Priyanka Shinde and I encourage you to tap into your full self to create a fulfilling work life. And if you know someone who has a leader in the waiting, share this podcast with them. Be sure to visit my website, thepriyankashinde.com for more information and tips on leadership, tech and more. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, share and comment. I would love to hear from you. Thank you.